Marini's Media. All right, lads, keep going. Stretch it out. Little more. Don't stop just yet. Just a little further. No, it's not a championship physio trying to ready his squad for the resumption. It's an insight into the EFL's lack of decision-making there. Cutting. This is the Totally Football League show. Break glass in case of emergency edition. Hey gang, we back. Just like we said we would be, but not like all but eight teams in Leagues 1 and 2. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Me, Sam Parkin and Adrian Clark have been assembled by Abby to talk you through the big decision made by the EFL and its League 1 and 2 clubs this week. Sam, salutations, Swindon celebrating, or are they? We'll hear from Richie Wellens later. How would you be feeling if you'd been promoted in this way? Oh, pleased, definitely. But yeah, it's 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 tainted a little bit that you haven't had the opportunity to lift the trophy in front of the supporters and, and have the celebrations. Those wonderful days when you win a medal and win a trophy it doesn't come along too often. I had to wait till the back end of my career. So that that that's a real shame for the players, but... Yeah, ultimately, for 80% or whatever of the season, they've been by far and away one of the best three teams, deserved their promotion and really looking forward to seeing what Richie Wellens assembles next year and and hopefully in the next couple of years having a push for the championship. I, I believe that they've got the foundations in place now at that club to have a really good couple of years under Wellens. Adrian, as for you, commiserations, although it's not like we weren't expecting Southend to go down. Um, it's a weird one if you're a Southend player, isn't it? You haven't got that kind of last day supporters in tears or kind of screaming at you enraged. It's just, oh, we are relegated. Must be a strange one to deal with. Oh, that's for the best, isn't it? <laughs> I think um, having suffered a relegation actually with Southend from, from League One back in the 90s, yeah, look, it's, it's no fun and... and, and you want to avoid eye contact. You can't look the fans in the eye because you're so disappointed that you you haven't been able to deliver as a team. In a way, it's a, it's an easy way out for the South End players. And I would imagine a, a, a big portion of the squad are out of contract as as they often are in lower league teams, and and they'll never be seen wearing wearing the blue shirt again. So, yeah, look, there can be no arguments from South End's point of view, nor nor Bolton's really. But I'm sure we'll get to Tranmere shortly. There, I certainly understand their great frustration. Um, but yeah, look, South End need to regroup and rebuild, and and I don't know, give give Sol Campbell something to work with because the squad the squad he inherited, unfortunately, was was nowhere near good enough. Okay, South End chat in the first five minutes of Pod Tick. Uh, where are we then? Well, we're at home, of course, but what about the EFL? We got to where we expected to get to, the season over, unless you're in a playoff position. So that means in League One, Coventry champions with Rotherham also promoted, whilst Wickham take advantage of points per game to climb into the playoff places where they'll play Fleetwood with Portsmouth taking on Oxford, but it's relegation to League Two for Southend, Bolton and Tranmere. As for League Two, Swindon, as we mentioned, the champs and go up along with Crewe and Plymouth. Exeter will take on Colchester and Cheltenham play Northampton in the playoffs. As for relegation, still undecided because guess who could be getting another points deduction? Yep, it's Macclesfield. And if they do, they'll be taking Stevenage's place as the league's bottom team. 
though even then they might not get relegated, all dependent on the, at the time of recording, unresolved situation in the National League. Uh, lots of people asking on Twitter, like Paul Glover, about the state of leadership in the EFL and to get your thoughts on how that's all worked out. Uh, Sam, it's been an arduous process to get to this point. Clearly not every club is happy, but is this the best solution for the league's collectively oh, it's really difficult I've been really torn the last few weeks and I think initially I felt if they were able to to work through it potentially having no relegation and maybe doing away with that third automatic position in, in League One and it would be the fourth automatic position in, in League Two that would probably be the way that I would have wanted it to go um, it would have meant no games having to resume it would have yes been a get out of jail for the teams that have had turgid seasons down the, the rear end of the table. But I, I think because of the situation we find ourselves in in the world, then something would have had to give. I'm obviously not, I don't have as much integrity as the EFL because they seem to want to, to upheld that, you know, the relegations and the promotions. So given everything that's been said and, the teams that are clearly going to feel ever so hard done by the Peterboroughs and obviously the Tremors of this world, I believe it's just about right, but you could argue it either way. Yeah, Adrian, Sam makes the point about the playoffs. You've been very firm from the start that you didn't want a kind of expanded playoff tournament style to happen at the end of the season. So do you think from that that perspective, at least, this is the uh, the right decision to play those playoff games? I think the right decision would have been to try harder to get the season finished. I, I I do feel really, really disappointed that the vote was so overwhelming. Um, you know, hardly anyone voted to to play on. I th- I think it was possible. I really do. I don't think the EFL tried hard enough to get funding from above. I don't think I'm talking about the Premier League from the government to to lobby for a little bit of support to get to get things done. Didn't do it, and and by putting it to the vote. It was all. It was all. Self interest was always going to come to the fore, and unfortunately, self interest meant no one wanted to play football, apart from you know a handful of clubs. And I think that's that's a real disappointment. They could have, in my opinion, funded the rest of this season if the tests were paid for by the EFL or someone else, Premier League, FA, government. Then they've saved their money. You know, they haven't had to pay wages really for three months. They could have got to the end of the season properly, but they didn't want to. And I think that that damages the reputation of, of, of League One and Two, and and I, and I worry about what that means moving forward. Well, we are going to get some matches, but no supporters means that clubs are offering season ticket holders refunds, which might do them even more damage financially. Okay, overarching fun done. Let's talk League One specifics next. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. So we've gone through how we got here. Let's turn to those who are jumping for joy. Earlier on, Adrian spoke with the captain of the champions of League One, Liam Kelly. First up, Liam, congratulations on winning the title. How proud are you to to captain Coventry City to this success? Yeah, no, massively proud. It's obviously a, a great, great achievement. You know, you look at a club like Coventry City, it is a massive club with a massive fan base and What's been a very different year, you know, playing away from home all season. 
Um, you know, everything that's gone on with the coronavirus, you know, just to finally get over the line and get that uh, promotion confirmed is massive, massive for me, massive for the clubs. And it's, you know, it's just a great day for everyone involved with Coventry. I've got to say, it is some achievement to win the title, not playing at your home stadium. You guys adapted to St Andrews, you know, frighteningly well. Um, does does that, I, I know that there's a slight asterisk, you know, alongside this success because of the way it was decided, but that that must make you feel pretty good about yourselves, the, the way you've done that at a different ground. Yeah, I think from day one, you know, as soon as we learned that we're going to be playing at St Andrews for the season, I think, you know, the mindset of, you know, amongst all the staff, all the players was there's no excuses. It is what it is and you can't dwell on the fact that we're not playing at the Rico. So I think from day one of pre-season, we just got down to business. We just said, look, situation is what it is. We're going to work as hard as we can. And, you know, lucky for us, we've got a great group of lads. You know, the, the management team, Mark Robbins, Eddie Vivesh, all the backroom staff have been brilliant with us. And I think, you know, we've only lost three games this season. And the amount of times we've come back late on in games to get draws, wins, you know, it's it's massive. And I think that just goes to show the character that there is, you know, within that Coventry City dressing room. And hopefully we don't lose too many and we can build on that for next season because, you know, it's going to be a big one next year. Definitely, yeah. You've certainly been hard to beat. Three defeats is is outstanding. Do you want to go back to the Rico? <laughs> what if you're given the chance to to stick around where, where you are? I mean, what is the state of play? You got any idea? Um, honestly, I don't know what it is. I think, you know, we want to obviously want to go back to the Rico because it's a big, fantastic stadium and it's our stadium. It's the fan stadium. It's, you know, it's in Coventry. But, you know, if we are at St Andrews next season, then I don't think anything changes for us. We just go about our business the way we have been this season. And it's, you know, it's, it's tough on the fans because, you know, we don't know what, what the situation is going to be with fans turning up to games next season. But, uh, you know, a massive thanks to the fans that, that could make the journey. And I think all the players in the club appreciate that, you know, it's, it is a large cost for a lot of people to travel over to Birmingham to buy season tickets. So, you know, it's fantastic for the ones that did. And, you know, they got a, a great season of football great three-quarter season of football and uh, <laughs> hopefully we can just build on that because uh, this club's yeah. moving forward and we need to keep it going forward. Definitely. Look, look, I, I saw you a number of occasions and very impressed. I think you were the best the best side in the division. And, and yeah, you're right. That it's, it's such a shame that supporters can't, can't share in the success with you, not at the moment anyway. In terms of the success of the team, I've got to, I mean, I love, I love the style of football. I think you're, you're strong all over the pitch. But the move to go to three at the back, that seemed like a game changer to me. From that moment onwards, it all clicked into gear, right? Yeah, no, 100%. I remember the first time we'd done it, I think, um, we were playing 4 3 3, and then I think it was a Colchester away in the FA Cup. And I think we just had, we didn't really have any many fit strikers at the time. And obviously, um, we, we had a lot of centre mids that were fit. So um, we went to three at the back, you know, we had the, you know, four centre mids playing, two wing back striker, and I think on that day, it just everything just clicked and it just worked so well. I mean, we were brilliant on that day against Colchester. You know, we controlled the whole game and you know we played some fantastic stuff, created chance after chance, and you know we stuck with it and we played some fantastic football. But at the same time, there were times you know when you get into January, February, where the pitches aren't that great. You know, the, the weather's terrible and. We found ways to, to grind wins when we weren't playing well as well. But, you know, some of the stuff we play in that formation was fantastic. And I think you're right. I think that was a turning point for us when we switched to that. In terms of being ready for the championship, you're confident that this, group, this group's got enough to be competitive before Mark Robbins tries to add to it? Because I'm sure he will. 
Yeah, no, I've, I've, you know, you look at the big games we played this season against the big clubs in League One and even, you know, the two legs against Birmingham, I thought, you know, we probably should have won both games. We played really well in both games and, you know, we're just unlucky, just the Robert the Green didn't, didn't go for us. I think, you know, the squad we've got is a very good squad, very competitive. You know, it's like, a, I keep saying great character, but that's what makes, you know, a successful season. And I'm sure the club will be working really hard behind the scenes, you know, just to add that little bit more quality to us. But, you know, we're confident that we can go and have a good season. We'll obviously be watching the championships, sitting at home, getting ourselves ready for pre-season. But, you know, it's going to be fantastic just to be a, a spectator for once and, uh, you know, seeing what we're going to come up against next season. Yeah, you've got your online party to look forward to, but also, I guess, pre-season training. Any shout yet on when... When you're going to start prepping for the championship, because there's so many unknowns at the moment, aren't there? But but I guess you've got to stay in trim. Yeah, I think we're just waiting for the date when the when it's going to start. I think obviously that's going to come off when the Premier League starts and the EFL take the dates off that. But I think we're talking about having an eight week pre season just because we've had so long off. You know, I think we need that time to get back training to get back ourselves back up to fitness because championship clubs will be playing. They'll be playing for the next two months and they'll be, uh, they'll be ready. So we need to make sure that we're ready to uh, come the start of the season. Liam Kelly, Coventry captain there. Last played in March, might not play until September. That's a six-month layoff. Uh, you, you touched on it there, Clark, in, in your interview with him. But how's that going to be in, in terms of the mindset of players knowing that they're not going to be playing for a long, long time? And, and specifically in this case knowing that in the division they're going into, players have been playing far more recently. Yeah, Liam brought up that point in our chat. And uh, yeah, I think they will be there will be rustiness, but also freshness, won't there? There'll be no aches and pains, or you wouldn't imagine. But it's a long pre-season. I used to hate pre-season. I really did. I, I, I used to wish it was condensed into three weeks or something. It just dragged and dragged. And, and for them, they're probably staring at an eight-week pre-season minimum. What they will have the advantage of is, is watching all their future opponents between now and and the end of July, which is, is a possible advantage. They'll get to know the teams, the players they're going to come up against. So, so yeah, not, not ideal. Um, but, but for me, Coventry, there can be no arguments. They were, they were so hard to beat best team in the division. It's, it's really on Rotherham. I think they've been the, the most fortunate team to go up automatically out of the two leagues, actually, because there's absolutely no certainty that Rotherham, would have would have claimed that second automatic, but look, it's, it's happened, and, and we wish them well. Yeah, Rotherham carry on yo-yoing. If we talk relegation, then interesting tweet from Matt Law of the Telegraph saying, "How can you tell teams they can fight for promotion through the playoffs, but can't fight against relegation?" Really feel for Tranmere Rovers fans, uh, Sam. That there was always going to be one big loser in this, and it, it looks like Tranmere are that. You mentioned about the the proposal that that Mark Palios put forward I guess it kind of it lost a bit of its credence because it came from the Tranmere chairman and the end result of it was Tranmere don't get relegated if you take that angle away from it it actually seemed like a reasonably sensible proposal to me it it really did yeah and I think the the point he made was about three of the four teams that were positioned in the relegation spots last year in in League One actually went on and, and survived and I don't think there's any doubt having watched Tranmere in the in the flesh a couple of times this season that they had a great opportunity to continue in the same vein they were when the the game went to a, a stop so yeah I mean they won the last three away games obviously added great strength uh, in terms of new signings in in January they were on the up and could have clearly seen them getting out of trouble so for the players that's going to be really tough for them to not have the opportunity to to play the remaining games and try and 
uh, continuing that run of form. Maybe they could have played a one-off game against the, the, the team that's um, promoted via the playoffs from League Two. That would have been an extraordinary occasion, spectacle for us neutrals sitting at home. It would have given them the opportunity to, Mickey Mellon, the opportunity to prepare a team to at least have one shot at staying in a division. Um, that would have been another idea. And, and surely, uh, for the reasons I've just stated, that would have been fairer than, than what ultimately has happened. OK, so Tranmere, one club with beef. The other one, uh, Peterborough. They were the top scorers. They were they were banging form just before the pause, but they still miss out on the playoffs. You won't be surprised to know that Darren McAnthony has had something to say on social media. This is what the Peterborough owner tweeted. The state of my timeline, rolling on the floor laughing emoji, full of fans loving the fact that 18 inverted commas football clubs voted to not play football and the ramifications of it. Bravo to the number four football clubs who did vote to play on. The at EFL at Skybet League One show draws to a close. Enjoy your summer, football fans. Smiling face with sunglasses emoji. Uh, emojis are a great way to express frustration. But Adrian, mm. you can really understand this one. I mean, Gareth Ainsworth and Wickham might well be rubbing their eyes in disbelief looking at the table. They had a plus five goal difference, posh. Plus 28, it's one of those where, as we mentioned, there were always going to be losers and, and Tranmere at one end of the League One table and Peterborough at the other are, are the ones that really stick out. It feels like a joke, doesn't it? By the way, my choice of angry emoji is the orange angry face. Um, yeah, that's, that's oh, with, the with this sort of bleeped out swear word going across it. What? No, actually, but, but maybe I'll use that moving forward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just update your software and you'll get that one as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, now I feel I do feel for for Peterborough again. I, I I just think possibly they could have extended the playoff to to cover to cover them, give them a shot at, at claiming the last place maybe uh, against Fleetwood. But but that's not to be. Wickham are fortunate, aren't they? Basically, they're in it because they had two games in hand. Their goal difference massively inferior. Their their form across the previous eight games. I'll give you their form: one point five points a game across the last eight matches. Peterborough. 2.38 points per game across the last eight matches. And look, we had 11 to go. Like Peterborough would have finished above Wickham. I've absolutely no doubt about it. Portsmouth weren't on a great run of form either, actually. Um, Sunderland were in with the sniff, sniff potentially, of, of sneaking in. I, I think there, there'll be a lot of neutrals. I know Darren McCanty's not, not university popular, but a lot of neutrals will feel sympathy with them and, and they'll be behind them next year. My, my worry is that there'll be a lot of resentment moving forwards from clubs like Peterborough and Tranmere towards other teams and other clubs in the country that, that weren't with them, didn't stand shoulder to shoulder with them. They chose to look after number one. And I think that that is, um, yeah, we, we, we may see um, bad feeling for a number of years now. Sam, I guess the X factor with Peterborough for, the, for this season has been Ivan Tony, And of course, he might well not be there whenever next season is. And, and that's another reason to make this really stick in the collective craw of posh fans. Yeah, he'll be a, a huge miss and it's difficult to imagine that he's going to cost the same amount of money that he would have done uh, had this pandemic not uh, come into play. So you, you would imagine that they would have got you know, a really nice sum of money for him. So I think it's going to be a, a buyer's market moving forward and um, that's going to be difficult as well but I mean they've got a good squad of players um, you know through the spine there's been some outstanding performers you know particularly going forward so 
I'm sure they'll be able to rally and be, be strong again under Ferguson, but you're very difficult for, for them to take. I think I'm right in saying that Wickham have played two fewer, fewer away games and that's basically uh, where they've uh, come out on top in terms of the points per game. So you can understand why Peterborough are uh, absolutely fuming at this point. No doubt in my mind that they probably would have finished in the, in the top six and, and Wickham, given the form... Albeit they've had an amazing season, probably would have continued to slip out of the reckoning. So they're one of the the, the victors in this. And and as Adrian said earlier, I think Rotherham, there was no certainties that they were going to finish in the automatic positions given the quality of the sides that we've spoken about week after week this season that were um, circling for blood, really. So, yeah, very fortunate that they are the one of the ones that have um, got themselves promoted to the higher tier. Okay, that's League One done. League Two, anyone? Good. It's next. This is the Totally Bubble League Show with Matt Davis Adams. So, much like League One, League Two has had its wings clipped, but the robins continue to fly. A good metaphor, that, Abby. Thank you. Uh, speaking of Swindon, our very own Sam Parkin had a chat with their manager, Richie Wellins. Richie, I don't know about you, but I've been looking forward to meal times more than anything during this uh, this period. We had uh, sausage, chips and beans and a few beers on the uh, menu last night and we upgraded to a Jamie Oliver-inspired uh, fish curry and a nice bottle of white when we heard the news. What went on in the Wellens household last night? This is God's honest truth. I woke up a couple of days ago and I need my wisdom tooth out. So I, w- I was ringing around all the dentists in, in Manchester trying to get in. No one could get me in. I went... Rang up the NHS helpline, no one would get me in. So I didn't have one drink yesterday. And the only thing that I eaten was tomato soup, can you believe? Because me, me, me tooth is out. So I've had a few antibiotics now, cold, cold and stuff. So I feel a little bit better. But hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we can have a few beers with the staff. And, and um, I'm more of a st- steak and chips man myself. So we'll be enjoying the next couple of weeks. We've earned it, we deserve it. So I think it's right that the staff and the chairman have a good good drink together and enjoy it because it's not easy, it's very not very often you get a chance to win a league and then the players can obviously enjoy their next two or three weeks but then we, we look forward to next year yeah shame for the supporters as well old town would have been jumping last night I'm, I'm sure have you had an opportunity to to speak to the players and the staff and congratulate them in person no we when we initially thought that we won the league four or five weeks ago we had a zoom meeting and i think that went on quite long and there was a few sore heads in the morning after that. Not today because we, I wanted to, we've done the Zoom meetings now. Everybody's been doing these Zoom meetings for, for six, seven weeks. It's about the human contact now. I've worked with these lads for, for eight, nine months. They've been absolutely brilliant for me, every single one of them. So I want to do it in person. I want to meet them, have something to eat, have a few drinks with them and celebrate like, like we should be. We should have won it on the pitch. I've every confidence that if we would have played on, we would have not only got promoted, but we would have won the league as well. And that's easy for me to say now. And you probably get Dave Artell and Ryan Lowe saying the same thing, but I genuinely believe that we had a couple of tough months in January and February and we beat all the top teams and then we had the seven of the bottom nine to play. So I truly believe that, that we would have been champions anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you about the strikers and in particular Owen Doyle. I've spoken to you off the record about him, but... Obviously, he's had periods in his career when he, he struggled for goals. I played against him when he was, was toiling at times in his career. Brilliant at Chesterfield, Oldham under yourself. Is it a confidence thing that you instill in him or is it more about the way that you set the, t- the team up to provide him with chances? One, set the team up. 
But then if Owen Doyle works hard, he's not as effective. I know it sounds stupid. I don't want him working hard. I don't want him running channels. I don't want him closing fullbacks down. I don't want him drop, dropping in pockets of, of space to get on the outer. And I don't mind it every now and then. But his game is playing on the outside of, of centre-backs, his movement in and around the box. And then it's up to me as a coach and to organise our players to get the ball in areas where, you know, where he can take advantage of that and, and do what he does best, which is finishing chances off. Um, when I watched him for Bradford, he's asking to go up for headers and he's chasing the flick-ons off, off Clayton Donaldson or James Vaughan. That's just not his game. So well, I think we got the best out of him. But I have to say that the players behind him used to make chance after chance. I mean, he's, he's finished on 25. And I think if you ask Owen himself, he could have easily been sitting on 45. The supporters have been in touch with me this morning already. They all want to know about the recruitment for, for next season. In particular, the loanees that have been so successful. The goalkeeper, Jai Simi, unbelievable. Obviously, the two strikers uh, as well. There's a number I can mention as well, go on to mention. Have those conversations started with Lee Power or is it just so up in the air at the moment that it's uh, a ridiculous thing to even... Think about. Yeah, we've offered a couple new contracts just because we think we're in and around what they what what they're asking for. My main priority is to try and keep the nucleus of the squad that we had last year. I only probably want three or four new signings. The loan players will be difficult because every loan player that we get, Sam, they come in and they're brilliant, and then other teams come in and can offer more money. Jerry Yates will be highly sought after. Stephen Bender will play in the Premier League all day long. He'll, if he don't go back and play for Swansea. In the first team, then, then um, I would imagine a, a club will come sniffing. So they'll be difficult. But then we just need to get on with it and get out. And, and we, we watch players all week. I probably watch six or seven teams every single week. So the knowledge of players is there. It's just we got lucky last year because we got Jerry Yates and, and Bender and, and Doyle, the right kind of characters that you want in, again, that help the, tra- the changing room. We'll get the right players in ability-wise. But then we just need a little bit of luck in terms of the character and how they can handle it. Again, the supporters speaking uh, to me this morning, there's obviously history at the football club of falling foul of the, the, the authorities. There's, there's been an, an ownership battle, if you, if you like, involving the, the, the chairman. Is there any concern with you that there may be a penalty hanging over the club in the future? Well, no, from, from the original issue, if you like, it was from 2013. So it was seven years ago. I was aware of, of, of an ongoing court case when I first signed for the club. was worried about it last summer. Well, not worried, but I asked the chairman about it last summer. And he, he assured me that the budget is this. He will fund the budget. And if we're in around the top three, there's a little bit spare, which he will reach into his pocket and give us a little bit more in January if we need it. Or not if we need it, if we're in a position to, to push. And he's always been up front with me. He's always told me that he, the court case is ongoing. I signed a three-year deal in February, knowing the situation. And if I thought there was any danger of us coming into 12-point penalties or any penalties at all, then obviously I wouldn't have signed that three-year deal. So as far as I'm concerned, it's just business as usual. Let's try and get this pandemic out of the way, get supporters back in the ground, and then and then we plan for next year. Well done. Um, after a difficult couple of years as an ex-player covering the games, it's been an absolute pleasure to see your side this year. and. Um, Enjoy the celebrations when they come. And I look forward to speaking to you um, next year as a League One manager. Cheers, Sam. Top man. I appreciate that. Swindon boss, quota of friends. Sam, it sounds like you'd have quite enjoyed being a striker under Richie after what he said about Owen Doyle there. Oh, not half. Yeah, I'd spoken to him kind of off the record about it. And 
yeah, really intrigued about the way he set up the team uh, to create chances for Owen and and almost um, wanted him in isolation to be the one in between the sticks and, you know, not crowd the box. You hear that a lot from managers, you know, make sure the opposite wide player gets something at the far post and make sure your midfield players are flooding the area. I think at times he just liked Owen Doyle to be in there, maybe with Yates and to trust that his movement and the delivery from the players would mean chances and goals. And um, yeah, fascinating to hear that today. Conserve your energy. I remember Mark Steen used to say that to me many years ago. He used to have a go at me in training for running around like a blue-ass fly and tackling and running the channels. He used to say, why are you doing that? When you get an opportunity in the 81st minute, you won't have the power, you won't have the control, you won't have the uh, the quality in your finishing. So it was something that stuck with me, but it's probably not something I was able to carry out because managers are obsessed and supporters probably demand that you run around like a lunatic for 90 minutes and sweat blood and tears. So, um, yeah, very interesting to hear that. And he's done a brilliant job. They, they deserve to be promoted, as I said before. And I think it's just about right that the other two are, are Crew Alexandra and, and Plymouth. Um, feel sorry for my former club, Exeter, but they're going to have to try and do it the hard way for, I think, probably the third time in four years, maybe. And they've lost a couple of times at Wembley. So, yeah, probably don't fancy them to do it this way once again, unfortunately. Well, the, the situation in League Two, a, a deal more straightforward than League One. Uh, Forest Green, the only side to vote yes as to whether to continue the season or not. Relegation, though, rather murky. Macclesfield already seen 11 points chalked off their total, leaving them three points above Stevenage, who sit in the only relegation spot. Town paid their players late in March. They could find themselves looking down the end of another points deduction and relegation to the National League. The players of Macclesfield have released a statement which said, We're a small club who are always fighting against the odds, but that's what makes us such a great story. The fans deserve happier days, so I hope that common sense will prevail at the EFL in terms of the current unfair PPG calculations. Also hope that any independent disciplinary panel will take into consideration the volume of previous sanctions already imposed, the current global climate and the amount of lives that will be affected. The statement came on the same day Macclesfield released 10 players. Only captain Fikra Kelleher and defender Fraser Horsfall have deals for next season. And then it gets murkier still because maybe nobody will be relegated to the National League if the EFL doesn't get assurance that the National League season will start. Kind of difficult, Clarky, to talk too much about it because we don't know what's going on with the National League at time of recording. But if Stevenage managed to stay in League Two next season, that's a huge, huge result for them, isn't it? Because they've won three games all season. And, and, you know, we can talk about Tranmere and how they might have got out of it. Nobody would be making that same argument for Stevenage were it not for a team above them maybe getting points deducted or maybe nobody coming up from the division below them. Yeah, from a footballing perspective, Stevenage don't deserve to stay up. No question about that. Um, Macclesfield's players, I, I, I feel incredibly sorry for them, not least because, because of the, the situation with their, with their wages. It's a joke, really. And I, ca- I can actually see where the EFL are coming from by, by stalling here. One club, I mean, there's only three points in it, and Stevenage... D- do have a game in hand or did have a game in hand. This is, you know, I don't think we can quibble, can we, about the points penalty. The, the rules are in place. You have to pay your players. You have to run your club properly. Otherwise, you, you face sanctions. So they, they face those sanctions. 
they are where they are. And that's really, really tough on the players. And I feel sorry for them. But as a football club, I don't know if they deserve Football League status. They're not, not running themselves as a, as, a, as a viable business, are they? Every single month we're getting players, players being paid late, staff left, left short on their wages. It's, it's not right. And, you know, I look at Stevenage, I'm a little bit biased because I played for them. Such a well-run club under Phil Wallace and co. Real community club. They're doing things the right way. So, so look, if, if Macclesfield do not, you know, if they, if they are deemed to have broken the rules again, I don't see why they shouldn't face further sanctions and ultimately maybe expulsion. All I will say is that, OK, there's doubts at the moment about the National League starting on time or, yeah, what will happen. What guarantees have we got that League Two will be able to start on time, or even or even League One? That's that's another thing to cross, isn't it? Really, because the clubs are saying that they can't really afford to come out of furlough at the moment, can't really afford to to pay their players. What's going to change between now and the start of the season? Yes, they'll be saving some money, some outlay now, but but the only way I can see League Two and maybe League One starting on time or even at all is if it gets some kind of bailout from above. I don't, I don't know how they're going to, to exist to be able to bring in the income needed to, to pay players. Simple as that. So I, I don't think they're in that much of a different position to the National League. Yeah, I guess the one thing that might bring them back into life is when the, the furlough scheme ends at the end of October. But we shall see. Uh, one final non-League 1 or League 2 point to end on is that the Stoke manager, Michael O'Neill, has tested positive for... COVID-19. Um, Sam, in terms of postponing the championship restart, this this probably isn't going to do it, is it? We are going to get this kind of thing. It's just going to be a case of players or managers won't be able to attend or, or participate in games or training for a bit. It, now we've got that date set in stone to restart the championship, it, it's going to have to take something nationally to, to call it off, one would think. Yeah, you would think so. Something severe, the, the second wave that everyone was was fearing, I suppose, a week, two weeks ago, and I don't know. I can't speak um, more than what I've seen on on TV or what I've read, and um, that seems to have subsided a, a little bit. And I think everyone's a little bit more hopeful that the country is going to start getting back um, to some form of normality in the next couple of weeks. And hand in hand, it sounds like the football is is going to return. So, yeah, I'm fortunate for, for Stoke because they're going to be set back in their their preparations. We know that the championship certainly in my mind, haven't quite got enough time to get the players up to speed. I think they could do with another week, two weeks in an ideal world to get that game practice into their legs. But it is what it is and the squads are going to be utilised. We're probably going to see a large number of of younger players blooded, especially at the championship clubs that have got small squads. And I would expect the the bigger clubs, the the squads with better resources and better players and deeper squads of players to, to prosper. That's uh, that's my feeling on it because I think we are going to see the injuries that they've had in the, the Bundesliga. But to answer your question, yeah, I think we're going to be underway a, a week on Saturday and, and looking forward to the West London derby. I think it is that I was supposed to be at three months ago on a, on a Friday night and uh, got the nod on the Friday morning that that was that. And at that time, you you felt that it was potentially going to be the last, well, the the previous games are going to be the last round of games. So pleasantly surprised that it's um, that it's coming back, and obviously we're going to be excited about the football. 
Well, that was a fly through the leagues, but thank you for helping me unpick all that, chaps. It's going to be good next week when we actually get to talk about some football matches that will be happening as the championship and the playoffs in League One and League Two get back underway. Uh, We'll probably also mention Charlton because guess who's addicted to new owners that don't go through the EFL ownership test? It's them. Do join us same time, same place next week. But for now... From Adrian, from Sam, and from me, thanks for your company. It's good to be back. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter, and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy Knees. Media.